and welcome back to Two Guys with Mics. Uh, I'm your host, Toby, as always, and with me is uh, Jesse. All right, we better have a good topic because I could be eating Hagen dazs and watching The Bachelor with my mom. The Bachelor is literally the worst show on on the planet. <laughs> like, period. The only thing worse is The Bachelorette. Um, because somehow it's worse. Don't ask me how. Um, today we will be discussing our favorite albums. Um, the task that we gave each other was to give two albums to the other person, have them listen to it, and then give their like review thoughts on it, what they thought. Um, so it should be fun. Um, one of my favorite episodes that we've done was the other music one that we did. It was I just, I love talking about music. It's one of my favorite subjects and. Probably because I, I just am very passionate about a handful of artists and I could just talk about them for forever. Slight obsession, but not nothing too bad. Um, but uh, but yeah, so um, Jesse will... I think we'll let you go first. I feel like I want to hear you what you have to say first. So the two albums that I gave Jesse to listen to were Whenever You Need Somebody by Rick Astley and then Sentimentally Yours by Patsy Cline. So you can decide which one you want to talk about first. Um, and I really am curious to hear what you thought about them. Well, <clears throat> well, I guess I'll talk about them in the order I listen to them. Um, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say I'm not, pr- I'm probably not the first person who's ever been Rick rolled at the gym. And I probably won't be I the last. No. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, I listen to whenever you need somebody first. It, you know, like as devastating as this is going to be to my metalhead cred, this, I didn't hate it. It was actually fairly entertaining. Uh, I, I admit, right. I ha- I have a soft spot for um, all things eighties, uh, except for Cindy Lauper. I cannot stand her, and Pat Benatar for some reason. I cannot stand both of them. I'm not a fan of Pat Benatar. A couple Cindy Lauper. I'm not. A, I'm not. I don't. There's like one. It's just her songs, voice. But I. I'm not a fan of Pat Benatar. She sounds like a bee, in my ears. And I can't. I. I, I can't. I. I'm sure she's a very talented woman, but. I can't get behind the idea of a bug squealing in my ear. Um. Yeah, but I mean, I've got. I've. I've got a soft spot for '80s music, and. Rick Astley is nothing if not 80s. <laughs> very true. At, at least for his first couple albums, you are. they Very true. He just embodies the days of, like, cheesy romance albums. <laughs> Though I'm going to say, uh, I got this from both of yours. Both Rick Astley and Patsy Cline share a common flaw. They both have horrible judgment when it comes to picking romantic partners. <laughs> they do. And uh, right alongside Adele. Yeah. Um they just they don't have good luck. They have with, no they have nothing with... on Carrie Underwood, but they both decided to pick like every song on these albums were you left me. <laughs> You've made me sad. Why did you make me sad? <laughs> man it, it's it's rough obviously in the in the, the music 
career if you're in it you're gonna just write songs about people leaving you <laughs> i mean that is though that is like the number one yeah i feel like song trope yeah is like breakup songs in a sense but not breakup songs are just like jilted lover especially in country music you have um songs about heartache yeah because that's a very big theme <laughs> that's basically all country so, is no not always it, it's, it's either it i love you things. why did you leave me or i love you period that's it yeah or if you're carrie underwood i hate you and i'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you i'm gonna, gonna poison you with antifreeze Uh, but I don't know. There's just something about Rick Astley that I I enjoy. Like I know a lot of people don't care for, you know, the song "Never Gonna Give You Up" because you know it got so overplayed with Rick Rolling. But I love it. It's it is my ultimate bowling song. It's not a bad song. Um, it's not. It's a great song. I love it. But it's just something about his feel to it that is his music and the way it just it's fun. It's a fun time, and you can't not. Like, you're not listening to his music. If you're ever listening to his music, you're not being like, or at least this album, you're not like, ugh, man, I'm just sad. You're like, man, this is fun music. This is pretty enjoyable. It's just a very nice vibe to it. That's just what I, I really like it. It's fun, but it is still heartbreak music. He somehow, he somehow finds a way to make that, like, feel, oh, I just, I want to move a little bit. I want to dance. <laughs> I want to move on like his lover did. I want to I hit the discotheque. <laughs> It is. Um, but he's he's an interesting person. So he moves from his first couple of albums, which were very 80s feel to them, moved very much into adult contemporary feel, which I like both. Um, he has some really good songs that aren't poppy. They aren't um, like real big. You know, your 80s, just big vibe you get from a lot of 80s music, especially from the pop genre, which is one thing because I notice a lot of people when they say, like, I love 80s rock, and then they start listing songs off, and it's like, that's technically not rock. That's, like, 80s pop. Because, um, like, that's what, like, when I talk about 80s, I like 80s pop. Like, I, I don't mind some 80s rock, but I've never been the biggest rock and roll fan. I've much been more a fan of, like, pop music. Um, for, for the 80s, I don't particularly care for modern pop, but um especially for for 80s i, I prefer pop music mm -hmm. so out of all of the 10 songs which one did you like the most um i mean i know we were talking about this before you said whenever i fall in love with a cover right yeah um, it's, i believe it, i know it was sung by but i'm pretty sure it was originally sung by nat king cole yeah that is probably my favorite but of the original it's songs, it's probably Whenever You Need Somebody. Um, is probably the one I like the most. Just because it's not depressing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I don't know. I'm not... I think... Continue, sorry. I, I don't know. I've, I've, I feel like there's a time and a place for the, uh, the heartbreak music, but uh, today I just wasn't feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, my favorite from the song, besides we won't conclude Never Gonna Give You Up, but other than that, my favorite is Together Forever, because that's not really, a, it's not a breakup song. It's it's not at all. Um, and then I also like, um, God, my, my neck is itching. Uh, Don't Say Goodbye. Those are my, that would, that including Never Gonna Give You Up would be my top three from the album. Um, 
everything else I enjoy and in, like except Slipping Away. That's my least favorite song on the album. Yeah, I didn't like that one either. I can... So the only issue I have with this album, and it is from just like how I feel albums should be crafted. This is not a diss on his music or anything. Because like I said, I really like his music. And as a big fan of his, these issues that I have with the album technically do not bother me because I like the music anyways. But when one crafts an album, one thing I don't particularly care for is when a lot of the songs, like they can blend in a sense where it's, and not in necessarily a good, there's a good way where songs can blend where it's like, it feels like it's telling one continuous story. But in this sense, it's just a lot of it has the same sound and the same feel. And I really like it when an artist messes with it. Like they, they blend it, they mix it up, they add different feels to it. So mm-hmm. it doesn't just constantly feel like it's the same thing. Cause sometimes I have it where I'll listen to an album. I like the, I like the title song or the, the first one on the track, listen to it, but then I'll forget that I'm, I've moved a track because it all can sound so similar. And it just, it, that when it does that, it, it kind of throws me out. Mm-hmm. But like I said, it doesn't really bother me here because I am such a big fan of his music. Um, so I, I'm paying attention when I listen to it anyways. Yeah. I'm not passively listening to it. Um, but I definitely hold that as like a critique of it. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, because I'm not above critiquing my own music. One thing I really like when some artists do is, uh, <clears throat> sorry, uh, they make so that like it, there's a good way and a bad way to do this. Just like everything is making a song seem like a part two uh, to this other song. Um, it's not necessarily all that fun when they do it on the same album. Uh, Metallica is very guilty of this. <laughs> They made three parts to the same song, Unforgiven Part 1, 2, and 3. Um, well, I think Marty Robbins did that with, with yeah. you have El Paso, and then, and then you have Felina. Felina. Yeah, but there was a and different album. And then you album. have El Paso City, which is, it is a different album. Yeah. Um, I feel like And it's then even best. on that, you have El Paso City. Yeah. It's best when it's done in a different album. But yeah, I felt like for some reason, I felt like Slipping Away didn't really, it didn't really mesh with the rest of the album. It felt out of place a little bit. It uh, did, and, and my main issue, or at least it could have been moved fact, around. I just, possibly, I think my main issue with it is so it's a bit repetitive. Um, now, I'm not one that's against songs that repeat the same phrase, and that's like they have a little bit of verse, and then the chorus takes a lot of it. And but in this one, the phrase slipping away constantly, and it's it feels a little repetitive sometimes. And that those are tricky songs to do because they can either be really good. Or more often, they can just be lackluster, if not really bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm looking at you, Imagine Dragons. Um, but it's, it, it, I'm not a big fan of songs like that. I don't like songs that repeat themselves yeah. over and over and over again. I appreciate and the dig at Imagine Dragons too. I, you're very welcome. I do not. Like I that cannot band. stand that. <laughs> I can't stand that. Imagine Dragon, like Nickelback, like, passed the torch of the worst band ever to Imagine Dragons, and they just fucking ran with it. I mean, at <laughs> least Nickelback writes original songs. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm gonna. I don't say, know if they I'm write their say, own, but they at least make original I'm songs. Say, Nickelback, for all the crap they get, <clears throat> Chad Kroger, the lead singer, he's a decent songwriter. And Nickelback does play some, like, okay music. I can't. I'm. We've reached a bad point in time when I, of all people, am defending Nickelback. 
Uh, <laughs> but you know, some some of their some of their songs are some guilty pleasures of mine. Uh, there's I a, like look at I like photograph. No. <laughs> Shush, it's a meme, and I love it. <laughs> Look at this photograph. Graph. <laughs> it's the greatest yeah. meme ever. I mean, but, like, um, Nickelback took all that hate, and they ran with it, too. They were, like, nowadays, they're like, I feel like if the hate stopped, we'd kind of fade away. <laughs> probably. But it's like, but whereas, like, Imagine Dragons, and I think the easiest song to, to poke fun at them for this is their song. Believer. <laughs> no, it's, I don't know if it's Thunder or Lightning. But the song goes like lightning, then the thunder. Yeah, I think it's thunder. Uh, and they just go thunder, and it just continues, yeah. and they just repeat that word. And yep. I'm like, this isn't, this isn't doing it for me. Mm-hmm. This is just lazy. Like, and I know they're that that's musicians, their like but they're, yeah, thing. but their music is a little bit. To me, I like I have, I, I, like I, I have a whole different. I have a whole different uh, problem with it. It is lyrical though. Like I, I like their like if their music was set to different lyrics, I'd love it. Like, because it's really good music, but their lyrics are too happy. And I know that sounds like stupid, but they're too, like, they're so, they're like sickeningly happy. Like, it's forced. Yeah. Like, you will feel happy when you listen to this music, or we're, or like, you're going to regret it. You must feel happy when listening to this. But, like, if I want a song that's going to make me happy, I want it to genuinely make me happy. I don't want it just to tell me be happy. Because I think they do have a song that literally just, tells the listener to be happy anyway we got a little bit off track (laughs) it is what it is it's fine um back to the albums but i guess we (laughs) we can kind of move on to mine that i have for listen to yours yes which i have some strong feelings i picked for toby (laughs) i wanted to make him suffer a little bit but i didn't want to scare him completely I didn't want to give you... If I wanted to just terrify you and make you suffer, I could have given you Cannibal Corpse and Slayer. But I did not. <laughs> Thank you. Uh. <laughs> Thank you for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> My soul is very appreciative. Yes. As a good, as being a, the good Christian boy that good I am. Christian boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to make my mother too unhappy. Yeah, I didn't want to give you George Fisher just screaming like a hippopotamus into a microphone. Um, but I, I gave Toby, uh, Ace of Spades by Motorhead. I've talked about them on here before and Hailstorm by Hailstorm. Another band I've talked about on here before. (laughs) I, I, I admit to being a bit of a, I, I can fangirl over Lizzie Hale forever and Hailstorm like they are. Top three bands of all time, honestly. Uh, and, like, Lizzie Hale has the voice of an angel and a demon at the same time. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it, it, she she's awesome. I, I love them. But which one did you listen to first? Which one do you want to talk about first? <clears throat> I listened, I don't know, I think it was a good thing, because in my opinion, I saved the best for last. Uh-huh. But um, I listened to... Ace of Spades by Motorhead first, and so before I get started, <laughs> I'm gonna probably use several terms when I talk. But just to clarify, when I say something is bad or that's terrible, I want to be very clear. <laughs> I hold the opinion that all art in all its forms cannot be bad objectively. 
because art is subjective. And so if somebody writes a song, paints a painting, makes a movie, there's someone out there who will enjoy it. It's not just the person that made it that likes it and will enjoy it. And by that standard, it's good for that person. But subjectively, (laughs) subjectively, art can be bad for the person talking about it, for Mm -hmm. them. And unless, the only way I think art can be objectively bad is if it doesn't fit the genre you fit it in. So if I wrote a, like a rap song that didn't have any hint of country, but I labeled it a country song, it could be an objjectively bad country song because it doesn't fit the country genre. That's why. But just to be clear, when I say something, when I say something is bad, they, uh, that's why, that's why Nickelback has such bad reputation because they started trying to market themselves as a metal band. Uh, but they played like happy, like soft rock music, and then they started marketing themselves as a happy soft rock band, and they started playing metal songs. <laughs> and mm. nobody wants somebody who can't stick to their own genre. <laughs> anyway, sorry for interrupting. Yeah. Oh no, you're fine. It's so riveting this fact about Nickelback. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I. So I use terms like bad and terrible, but when I say that, I'm purely meaning from my, in my opinion. It's subjective. I fully, I fully uh, support you to like your own music, and just because I don't like it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, because if you like it, that's all that matters. But Motorhead sucked, in my opinion. <laughs> um, terrible fucking music. Uh, yeah. I would rather open a car door and slam my head in it repeatedly <laughs> and then kick my grandma in the face than listen to that album again. Yeah, you can't really. And let me tell you why. Yeah. I can't really fault you for that. It's not for everyone. <laughs> let me tell you why. Metal has never been something that I could ever really understand, but I gave it a shot. I gave this. I gave I gave it a shot. Um. I really liked actually the the opening song. And for me that's kind of like a theme with me a lot of times on the album, the hits that the album have, I won't even won't even be my favorites. A lot of times my favorite song and usually a good chance if I can tell if I like the album but not in this case is if I like the the the, the opening song cuz then that in my opinion is how you're selling the album. It's mm-hmm. the first thing showing I better like it cuz it's usually followed up by a dud. I mean, like, um, I think Ace of Spades is Motorhead's second most listened to song. I think it is their second highest hit. Well, well, I liked it. It it had a very great vibe to it. It felt like mm-hmm. the um, something I would listen to while I'm skydiving. Um, <laughs> and it, it was it was very like now, it, it got you pumped. Question: By skydiving, do you mean the kind where you open your parachute, or the kind where you don't? <laughs> Like, are you saying you would Wait. you would listen to it while you were jumping out of a plane to your death, or while you were actually looking for an adrenaline rush? Both. Okay. I would never listen to Tom Petty's "Free Falling" while I am jumping out of a plane, because that's a terrible song, and you can bite me for that one. I don't care. I hate that nope. song so much. I don't fault you for that. I like Tom Petty, but I but, hate that song. But but I like Ace of Spades. I like the lyrics behind it. Um, I thought it was good. I figured you would. Um, lyrics are a very important thing for me in songs. I need the lyrics to grab me. Um, but what this album didn't do is follow it up with a good song. <laughs> because my absolutely least favorite song was the next one. 
like easily. And that's Love Me Like a Reptile. <laughs> I could not stand that song. That one, Couldn't yeah. stand it. And, that one was more a classic like motorhead mood song. Like they that was their thing. It's uh we're gonna be we're gonna be loud and in your face and vulgar and crude. And that was that's what Love Me Like a Reptile is. Well, my biggest issue with the song was I could not hear a damn word they said. Yeah. Motorhead is very loud. Well, like, the song before it, I could hear what they're saying. The song after it, I could hear what they're saying. But this one, I couldn't. It was like this. I couldn't hear what they're saying. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was fine. The next song was okay. Uh, but the song that I just have a particular question with, because the song before it was Fire, Fire, uh -huh. and it wasn't very memorable. Yeah. Like, And that's just a song, like, if I'm listening to a song and I forget that the next song has started, that means that song wasn't memorable. Every album's got it a didn't dud strike. or two. Exactly. But Jailbait was memorable, <laughs> but not in a good way. It's not, not in a good, in a good way. way. <laughs> what the actual fuck is that song? <laughs> it's Who exactly what that it song? sounds like. <laughs> let, let me just say, yeah. Lemmy was a bit of a pervert. <laughs> well, okay, maybe not a pervert, but a lech, definitely. A sexual deviant, just, yes. I it starts, and I hear something talk about, like, you look, like, and I just, I'm like, what, hold on, I was like a big old hold up, <laughs> what is he talking about? I, I was like, a, I was like, this is, this isn't good, this did not catch my attention in a good way. He's talking about this an is, underage this girl. This is not what I wanted a song to do. <laughs> it was not good. But aside from that, the song Dance and The Hammer weren't bad. Mm -hmm. I didn't mind those. Those are okay. But my younger brother, he... We were listening to it because I said I was in the car and I was playing it. And he said, why are we listening to this? And I was like, I have to. It's for, for a podcast. And he was like, you know what this music sounds like? And I said, what? He says, it sounds like he was like, you like pull up to a shop. They're working on something. The FBI agent's coming out. He's talking to him, trying to recruit him to go do this mission. He was like in the guys, it's blaring real loud. And he like rolls out from underneath a truck working on it. This is the music they're it blaring is, in that movie. I will admit, the first time I ever heard Motorhead, it was in my, my first job. I was a, a assistant for a mechanic, and this was pretty much the only music he played. He played old, like, biker-style music. He played this. He, he played Motorhead, uh, like, Motley Crue, uh, really, like, fast and loud music. And... I, I, and, and that's what Timmy said he, and I was like I have to agree with you yeah. it does sound like biker music and uh, I'm just not I wasn't a fan um, yeah I get that but obviously it's just like I didn't mind some of the instruments but I don't really like love the yelling mm -hmm. and the just the the gruffness of it it just it doesn't it doesn't just it, yeah. this is not me See that, not yeah, my style that's, that's the thing it's like it's and it, it, if you don't like that you probably won't like Motorhead the rest of their music like at all because that's pretty much what they I are guarantee they, it. they are gruff like it's it's part of the genre i mean no like i believe it was you like you sent me a meme earlier it was like quentin tarantino saying yes kill bill is a violent movie but it's a tarantino movie you don't you don't go to metallica's concert and tell them to turn it down it is that's like that's yeah that's like listen it's like listening to lincoln park and saying oh it's too whiny why are they whining so much that's the point that's the whole genre that's what they are that's what they do yeah and Motorhead was meant to like Motorhead I believe is the loudest band to have ever played like um it's a like you you walk out and your ears are ringing for days because they they turn their amps up so loud 
they are just so fast and aggressive that you know like that it's just the point they it was like doing a line of coke while chugging red bull up your ass <laughs> at the same time that's what the energy in that song felt like i've I, never done those two things simultaneously but um it it was that was what it felt like if if i could imagine i that won't would be like say that let me pro i won't say that Lemmy probably hasn't done that because he might have <laughs> well after listening to this to this music i'd now believe everything you said yeah about the man yeah like when you started thinking i was like there's no way then i listened to this music and i'm like yeah i can see it most of the songs he I wrote totally he was probably it. flying high on cocaine and acid mm, that's or not not acid sorry honestly, speed I... not acid speed um because that like motorhead is literally named after speed motorhead is another one it's another name for speed freak which is speed addict i believe speed is also called meth <laughs> Is it? <laughs> I don't really know too much I've, about drugs. I don't. I don't know. I think speed is an offshoot of meth. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Motor Motorhead's not for everybody. It's what I listen to when I'm working, and I just want the day to go by quickly, and I just want something blaring in my ear so I don't have to listen to, like, I don't have to listen to the homeowner just yak 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 yak, yak in my ear. So I turn that up as loud as I possibly can. And it's so funny because. When we when we go from this, if anybody in that's listening to this knows these albums that we mentioned or has listened to this, um, it's gonna be funny to go from this to the easy listening, amazing album that I gave you yep. as my next out al- as your next album to listen to, which by easily one of was my favorite, but one of my favorite artists of all time, which is Patsy Cline, and. I literally, while listening to Motorhead, I'm like, and I gave him Patsy Cline to listen to. <laughs> I could have tortured him. I was like, and I gave him some easy, lovely music to listen to. You gave me Rick Astley. Um, I had to get you back somehow. Okay. I, I guess <laughs> fair enough. He's not for everyone. But I... To explain how I chose the album that I chose to give you as we move into yours. um, So, I had... That album technically isn't filled with a ton of her main hits. Mm -hmm. Um, The album before that, which was her showcase album, has like her three biggest hits on it. Um, Some of those were released as singles first, but then they were put on this album. And those three biggest hits would have been Walking After Midnight, I Fall to Pieces, and Crazy. Um, And those are great songs. Uh, But that album has a couple of songs on there that I'm not a big fan of and still love them but i'm not the biggest fan of whereas sentimentally yours consistently is better Mm -hmm. to listen to it is different so this showcase album is much more of her countryside whereas this is definitely moved because she was a crossover artist she could move from country and go to pop and sentimentally yours is definitely more of an old pop album with the hint in certain songs i can I can talk about which ones they are that um, that definitely have that country feel still to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it it's such a great album and it's very easily easy to listen to. And if I had to think about it, favorite songs from there from from that album, um, easily the favorite one would be "Your Cheating Heart." Um, second one is "You Belong to Me." Um, 
And the third one would probably be Heartaches. And then after that, it's just, you know, there. I love them all. There's not a song on that album that I don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, if, I, if I had to pick, because sometimes I feel like I have to, if I had to pick a least favorite song from that album, I don't know which one I would pick. It, I really like them all. Yeah. But it would probably be half as no. I liked half as much. I, I do too. It's it would probably be any time. Yeah, I, I have to say, like th- though my favorite was probably uh, "You Were Only Foolin'." Um, hey, hey, that is a good yeah. song. Uh, my like, I have the same problem. Like, I have the same like issue that you might have had, like, like that you mentioned you had with. Uh, or that, like that, that we were talking about earlier. My only problem with this album was, even though I liked this better than the Rick Astley album, a lot of the songs on this album tended to mesh together, and they seemed like one long song rather than a collection yeah. of songs. Um, that might just be the, the fact that they are all based around the same central theme, uh, and they all had they all generally like that. That's the thing about this album; they all had the generally the same like tone and. Uh, and tempo like they they were all virtually the same song both like except for the lyrics um yeah which i guess I, think, I guess i guess that's a, that's a thing that is a lot like that's very similar with a lot of country music from that era it was virtually all the same I, song with different lyrics um and i think that's why my favorites from the album definitely are the ones that are the they they each showcase a specific thing like your cheating heart really can show sometimes her range mm-hmm. and she can just bellow something out and she can get really high and that's actually a cover of a Hank Williams song um and I like it better than his version mm-hmm. because it's just it's very just senior right not the not feel junior. of this yeah senior okay. the the feel of this album is definitely whereas in showcase those hits are very different from each other and they're all very memorable. This album is like an album that I will play and I will just have it in the background and I'll be listening to it, enjoying every song, but I'm not specifically picking out a song on that album to listen to. I'm just collectively enjoying the whole album. And so in my opinion, obviously subjective, this is one instance where I feel like, unlike the Rick Astley album, this is one album where when they all sound the same, it adds to the appeal for me because it gives that jukeboxy type in your living room one evening just with people around it can be playing a little low and it doesn't have to be loud and it's just there Mm -hmm. and you can hear it and you're still intaking it but it isn't it doesn't have to be jumping each song jumping out at you and you being like oh my god latching on to it just like i have to sing along it's something that can just play in the background and it's very easy to listen to it's very pleasing and it's just got a nice feel to it and i it really adds to its aesthetic is very pleasing to me yeah Oh. I will say like that. That's like that's. I, I listen to a lot of music while I'm driving because if there's one thing I can't do, it's drive with in silence. Um, because I am a, I am slightly narcoleptic. I will fall asleep at any given time, and if I don't have music, I will definitely fall asleep, which is a dangerous thing behind the wheel. Um, and this th- this album, uh, sentimentally yours, it was. I will say it made my drive home longer. But it didn't make it unpleasant. Um, like, because typically I will listen to the type of music while I'm driving home from somewhere that'll make you want to speed. 
Not that I do, it just makes things go faster. Uh, but this is the first time, like, typically I will wind up the day. Like, I'll start the day by listening to the slower, more melodic stuff. And I will unwind with, like, heavy, like, super fast trim pick riffs and blasting lyrics and everything. How do you wind down to that? It's 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 catharsis, uh, stress relief. Um, like I have this weird thing. Like th- there has been science, scientific research done that metal music does, like help mental state by making it. It, it helps you release aggression and anger without, uh, actually being violent. It is a it it makes you less angry. Um, which is part of the reason why I liked it. You asked me, you asked me like last time we did the music episode, you asked me and I didn't really get to answer or I didn't really remember to answer. Why do I like metal music so much? Why do I like hard rock? It's because it's an adrenaline rush. Number one. And number two, it helps me kind of release aggression in a nonviolent way, in a non-harmful way. Um, it like, I'm going to say, before I started listening to metal music, I was actually a very angry person. I was prone to explode at any given time. I wasn't violent, but I was very loud uh, and angry. And, you know, it's, music like that helped me kind of curb that. But, you know, like this, this was... Sentimentally Yours was a good album to listen to on my way home. It helped me wind down from the uh, the rigors of the gym. Uh it's a great album to have while playing the while the rain is playing. I mean, while the rain is falling, <laughs> the rain is it, playing. It, like, yeah. if it's raining, it's a great album. Yeah. Play. What was your favorite song from it though? Like I just uh, I, uh, probably uh, you were only fooling. Least favorite. Least favorite, probably uh, probably lonely street. Just because it it felt like a it felt like a bad way to end the album. Mm-hmm. Like it it it. it it didn't follow the tone. It didn't it, like I just said. I want to like my, or that's completely countering my my complaint that all the songs seem to mesh together. Um, Lonely Street didn't seem to follow the formula enough. Like it was a little bit Lonely Street. It feels more, in my opinion, it has the more nightclubby, jazzy uh-huh. feel. It to felt it. like an Elvis um, song, to be honest. It's actually a cover. Is it? Mm-hmm. Is it an Elvis song? It's original. I don't believe so, but I can find out real quick. Um, well, because he is... uh, he did Heartbreak Hotel, and Heartbreak Hotel is on Lonely Street. No, it is originally by Kitty Wells. Okay. Um, yeah, she was Patsy was the second person to record it. Mm-hmm. It's been recorded by. The Everly Brothers, Ray Price, Bobby Vinton, Gene Vincent, George Jones, Tammy Wynette, Bing Crosby, Rex Allen Jr., and Amy Lou Harris. So a lot of people. Yeah. Um, Out of all those, think... I'm going to say my the one I prefer the most is probably Bing Crosby. <laughs> uh, I. Th- yeah. Personally, not a big fan this of George song... Jones. <laughs> He's whiny. He actually had a nickname, apparently. No show. I don't remember it. <laughs> he wouldn't show up for concerts. Well, he was probably drunk. He was drunk, half yeah. The time. I mean, even like Hank Williams Jr. had the decency to come out on stage, slur into the microphone. 
I thank you all for coming out, but I am just too damn drunk to sing. And walk off. <laughs> and everybody would the cheer. Um, like, we just wasted 50 bucks to come see this guy, but he just not going to sing. Okay, <laughs> we're going to go home, I guess. Let's all go home. <laughs> I'm going to go home and get drunk. <laughs> next to um, Next to her album Showcase, this song has my second favorite opening track, which is She's Got You. That was a good one. Which is yeah. a fan. It is fantastic. And it is. So it kind of is like. And actually, me and my friend were. Uh, Aaron, who I've mentioned before, we're talking about this. And it is kind of like a list song. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, a list song is where an artist basically is just listing off things. Mm-hmm. And it's a song that sometimes people fall back on because they have run out of things to do. Yep. And they can be very bad. But sometimes they can be done, and it's really well. And then this is an example of it being done really, really well. I've heard. And it, I've heard a song that actually sounded a lot like "She's Got You." I don't know who it's by, but I think it's called "She's Got the Man." Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, it was all it was all over the radio a few years ago, but it was. Uh, like the I, I forget the I forget how it goes, but I remember the the chorus is like I got the boy, she got the man. Uh, and oh, that is a country song. I know exa- I know yeah. it, but I do not remember it. I get the feeling this I get I get the feeling she's got you had some influence in that song. Probably, um, but it's just it is it's a song that you can feel. Um, you can feel it, in the sense of you you can you can empathize with the character that she's portraying mm-hmm. of like this person who had a boyfriend lover at one point in time and listing off the things that she had gotten from him but at the end those things were not worth much because she didn't have him and this other lady did yeah and so she lists off all the things that she has but then she always ended up but she's got you mm-hmm. and it's it really showcases the fact that Patsy was known for not recording a song if she could not connect with it emotionally. And if she connected with it emotionally, she could sing it and amazingly and just she could do it justice. If she did couldn't do it, she wouldn't record it. Um and that's why she doesn't have as much as some other artists and most of that is the fact that she had only about a six-year recording career. And that is because she tragically died at literally the height of her career, um, or at least the height that it was at the time. Like, we don't know how high she could have gone, but at that point, she died in a plane crash. But she... A lot of people died in a plane crash. They did. At that point in time, planes didn't... <laughs> planes private didn't planes like weren't to... using instruments. Planes didn't like to stay in the sky. <laughs> That's why a we, lot of pilots were not trained well. That's why we don't have Leonard Zeppelin, or that's why we uh, don't have Leonard Skinner anymore. Mm. And also, uh, what was the uh, country roads man, John Denver? He also died in a plane crash. Yeah, he did, but he, he was, was flying. He, yeah, he was flying his own plane though. Yeah, um, but she, if you look at the stuff that she did in that career, she did create a lot, like a lot of music. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of her older stuff unless you're just a really big fan, um, like stuff that she's first started doing isn't the best. Yeah. 
Um, I like some of it and a lot of it, but that's just because I'm a really big fan. But it isn't the best. Her, she had three albums that she released when she was alive. And then the other albums she had recorded, but they got released right after her death. Um, and those, those albums are fantastic. And I definitely suggest that you go and listen to some more of her other stuff. At least Crazy, I Fall to Pieces, and Walking After Midnight. Those three are phenomenal. And Faded Love, mm. which is when you talk about emotion. And I wish, I thought Faded Love was in the album that I gave you. It's not. And now I'm really sad because I really wanted you to listen yeah. to that one. <laughs> I um, had one too in the next album we're talking about. In that song, though, and I definitely want you to go listen to it after we're finished. In that song, you can see how much emotion that it that she felt when she sung it. It's one of her few recordings that she's cry- she cries at the end of it. Mm. And it's interesting. It also has a really sad story with it that after she dies, her husband played that song on loop and would just sit in the den and sob. Because his wife just died, and people would come in. His what? His next like, his wife he remarried would come in and be like, "She's gone." Like, and he would just look at her and said, "No, she's not. She's right there." And would like point to the record player, and it's just it's sad. And so whenever I I listen to that song, I can't help but hear the emotion in her voice, and it almost feels like in that song she knew that she was about to die Mm -hmm. because it was one of her later recorded songs. And a lot of her friends um, have said, and Loretta Lynn being one of them said that when it got closer to the time before she died, she started giving away her things and she just had this feeling that it was, it was her time to go. And in fact, when she finished her last album or last single, she said, well, that's a great way to end it. And People thought she was just saying, oh, it's a nice end to the, the album. And then afterward, people were like, I think she was meaning, like, knowing that this is her last her last recording. And so when you listen to the song Fade to Love and hear the lyrics in it, and then also know that backstory, you are a heartless person if you get through that song and you do not, at least internally, feel like crying. Yeah. Um, I'm not a very outwardly emotional person, but inwardly I am. And that song, it can get me every time. Um, but speaking of emotions, that gets us into our next album, which is <laughs> the Hailstorm album. Yes, self-titled Hailstorm's first album. I've done, there was a lot of bands in the early, in the late 90s that named their first album after the band. Uh, that was a thing that came out came around in the 90s self-titled albums were very very popular um but yeah well this album is 2009 right i believe so yeah uh hailstorm is a fairly newer band by the standards of people who have instantly become classics and they are believe me um lizzie hale is a phenomenal guitarist and vocalist uh her brother aj or is it rj i think it's rj uh, is a great drummer. I've seen him playing with his feet and forehead. Uh, of course, that was in the. I think that was in the music video for "Love Bites" or "You Call Me a Bitch Like It's a Bad Thing." <laughs> I forget. Uh, but yeah, Hailstorm, the the album. It wasn't the first introduction I had to the band, but it is like like you described. Uh, 
the Patsy Cline album, it was one that had more songs on it that were good than the, than they weren't. They weren't really my favorite songs. My favorite song is Private Parts, which has a stupid sounding name, but it's actually a very like emotional song. Well, coming from the jailbait song from <laughs> Motorhead, I I don't think it has that weird of a name. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, well, it was good. Yeah, I I liked it a lot. Um, I really liked Lizzie. I, her name's Lizzie Hale. Mm-hmm. I really liked her vocals. She was very, yes. very excellent. Um, the my the opening opening song really liked it's it which you. is yeah. always good it's 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 good i i like it when it, if like i've said if an album doesn't grab me by the first song i'm i'm disappointed uh, the next song was good it was uh, called i get off um but easily <laughs> easily my favorite song and and actually the one that i added to my library and if i add a song to my library that's rare was bet you Wish you had me back. That's a I good really one. Liked that That's song. a really good one. Yeah, that was good. I really liked the lyrics. It was really, really good. Um, I was not a fan of Innocence. Yeah, um, uh, Innocence has my favorite like chorus melody. Um, it doesn't have it doesn't have a great story. <laughs> the, and a lot the of these song. had good lyrics. Yeah, um, it's it's kind of this. It's kind of similar to Jailbait in terms of story. Uh, except it, it, there are. It, it did. It was like, I'm just gonna say there are quite a few hailstorm songs where Lizzie takes the perspective of a predatory cougar. Um, sometimes <laughs> I, the, that's a, the song "Dirty Work" is another one that does that. Well, I mean, we could take that look and just look at all of the songs from like the 50s. Yeah, it's a bunch of 40 year old men talking about falling in love with the teenagers. Yeah. Now I Lizzie flips choose that to believe that they're. Head. I choose to believe that they're thinking that they are themselves are also teenagers, Probably. but if not, you just look at it and be like, all these okay. old guys are talking about. Ugh. Yeah. Um, but the next one, which was familiar taste of poison. That's a good one. Um, okay. So it was different yeah. than the rest of the album. As soon as it starts. And I really liked how her vocals shine through that one. It was different. It wasn't a lot of the rock feel. It was, mm-hmm. it was very good. The only issue I had is the lyrics did not feel ex- especially unique, or mm-hmm. they didn't jump out at me. They yeah. didn't like while her vocals jumped out at me and said, "Hey, look here, what I can do." And I was like, "I like that." The lyrics didn't do it for me, and that's the only thing that kept it from being. Because if if it had, it might have been my favorite song from the album. Mm-hmm. But it's just good for me on that one. Yeah, that's the, um, that's one. But thing I did I like that say. it was different. Hailstorm songs like. The sadder songs, the slower songs, um, they're not. The word, the word that the only word that's coming to mind is really genuine. They don't, they don't sound like they have. They ha- they sound like they have a ton of emotion behind it, but they don't sound like they have a ton of personal emotion behind them. Um, like Lizzie Hale can sound like she's about to burst out in tears. Um, like on the song I "Hate It When You See Me Cry." Uh, it's it sounds like she's sobbing into the microphone, but it's not it's not the t- it's not the most uh, it's not the most authentic sound that she can mm-hmm. do. Uh, and I think I she think can do angry. That, she can do angry very well. She definitely can. 
And I think, so for me, on top of being able to know that the artist is feeling the song and is, is emotionally connected with it, I also need at some point in time for me to be emotionally connected with it. And so, like you said, a lot of these, especially in this one, I could feel that she was very connected to it, but I did not get connected to it. Mm-hmm. And I, a lot of songs for me to like, I need to be able to relate to them. And when yeah. I say relate, I don't mean that I have to have gone through exactly what they went through. I just have to be able to relate to the emotion that they're feeling. Yeah, the, the artist has to and, has to actually be able to connect with you. And I didn't feel that with that song. And so yeah. that's what I meant when like lyrics and stuff that didn't, because that's where I connect with a lot of lyrics and then how they present it. Um, but the next one, which was I'm Not an Angel, that's a, was also kind yeah. of meh. Yeah. It was, it was eh. It she, wasn't, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. Yeah. That That's, the first album had a, t- had a lot of songs like that. It was like, um, I'm going to make you regret. <laughs> uh, the The general theme of the first album is, I'm going to make you regret saying yes to follow me home. <laughs> uh. <laughs> See that? Mm. I, I don't know how about that. Yeah. Um, well, that's the, tell me, like, listen to the lyrics. Tell me that's not the general feel. <laughs> I will listen to the song after this. I haven't ever heard it, but the, just the, the sound of it doesn't sound too um well it's appealing it's more like you thought like you you bit off more than you could chew here is generally the 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 feeling with hailstorm um what were you expecting i did not care for that one Mm -hmm. but um love slash hate heartbreak love hate heartbreak yeah i like i really like that one i was able to connect Mm -hmm. with the emotion she was giving off of it and it and it was well yeah it was really good i liked it the, the heavier um, song the heavier sad song she can do really well um they sound they sound a lot more her yeah uh better sorry than safe i i don't like really, it was once again meh. That, yeah that that's my that's my one really meh song on the album and then dirty work was also meh but <laughs> my meh reason for that is it was very repetitive yeah it is um and and well like i said but just not in the way that it appealed to me now i'm not saying it's a bad song because yeah. i don't think any of these songs are bad except the final one which is uh, nothing to do with love that was my least favorite song on the album mm-hmm. yeah I, I can see that i mean like i said but hailstorms like the first album had more songs that were hits and generally better in my opinion but the next album a strange case of has my two favorite hailstorm songs ever it has ms hyde and private parts um that are both awesome and they they really do showcase lizzie's range um yeah i mean as far as first albums go for an artist they it's not a bad one like it was Mm -hmm. a strong start for them and they they had they've come out with some really good stuff uh, not recently, but over the past few years. Um, and I mean, I really, I it was way better than Motorhead. I'm sorry, <laughs> I will never forgive I, yeah. you for making me listen to that. Oh no, I, I can um, totally see that. Like I, like I said, Hailstorm, my top three bands of all time. Motorhead, maybe somewhere down near number fifteen. Uh, but but Hailstorm was good. I liked it. Yeah. I um I was very surprised that I pulled a song and added it to my library from. That surprised me. <laughs> like, songs that you recommended. That doesn't ever, like, I never would have, like, 
it just wouldn't. But right. I, I like to be an open person, with, and especially with music. I will listen to just about anything aside from what my younger brother. I will not. Mm-mm. I don't listen. I, I cringe. He listens he to me a lot stuff. of hip hop, right? Yes. Yeah. He listens to a lot of like, which is like the, the trend for younger people uh, now, apparently. See, I, I listen to popular. My, my, like the only real hip hop I listen to is like 80s. <laughs> like I like some 90s. The Be- like the Beastie Boys and LL Cool J are really the only hip hop I listen to. <laughs> I like some '90s, and when I say that, I cannot tell you a single artist or song, there are, um, because once again, I don't yeah. particularly listen to it. But I have had people play it for me, and if it comes from the '90s, it's not a, uh, it's not a bad. I can listen to it, but it's never been, it's never been something I've been able to enjoy. And but I, I feel like that comes from the fact that down, when it comes down to it, I'm a country fan, mm-hmm. and it, country fans don't really like, yeah, hip hop and rap. <laughs> Well, unless you're a modern um, but what I do fan. like, yeah. Well, what I do like though, and I and a lot of countries do, is I do like R and B, um, because rhythm and blues is very. It, it sometimes goes right in hand in hand with with country, mm-hmm. and not not like they sound the same, but they're the making of them is similar aspects, mm-hmm. um, and they had some influence on each other. But you'll typically see R and B and country on the same jukebox. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, especially like decades ago, mm-hmm. like they would be on the same one. Um, they were both the hits, uh, right along rock and roll. Yeah. Um, which not rock, rock and roll. Really... <laughs> There's a difference. Yeah. No, 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 no. There's a very much. There difference. is a difference. Um, because like before country really got established, it was rockabilly. Mm-hmm. Um, which was like, y'all like type like it, it had the sound of rock, uh, rock and roll, but. It had all the artists had a twang to their voice, like a serious twang. It was, it was like, like it, it's like if you listen to Elvis's early music, like we well, like Hank Williams, yeah. And and then when it got done with that, it got labeled what we call now classic country, which is um, your slow whine to it, which is like you have your your it's, it's usually slow instruments, and the artist has some kind of like I call it a whine, um, but it's just that it's. It, I, I I don't know the technical term for it, but it's just like a it almost like just like I can't think of it, but like heartbreak in their voice, mm-hmm. like and that's that's how they can uh, portray a it. tinge. Not always my not always my favorite or twinge sound. Sorry. Um, but it is good. Like seventies, end of sixties, seventies country is my sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Um. I love the 50s and six, early 60s. I also love the 80s and 90s. But that sweet spot right in, at the end of 60s and early 70s are just really, really good. And also, speaking of country, today would have been Johnny Cash's 89th birthday. You've just made me depressed. Yeah. <laughs> I tweeted out. Um, nobody responded because, you know, I have no, no followers on Twitter, but that's irrelevant. I didn't even get um, the tweets. <laughs> I tweeted out. I follow you, and I didn't even get it. I tweeted out a video of his of him performing uh, "Big River," and I just sent out. I was like, "Johnny Cash," and then in all caps, is the only true king of country. Um, because I I do not agree with George Strait being the, the king of country. That George Strait is the king of country. Um, 
Johnny Cash is the king of country. Yeah. Hands down. Um, and easily the most, and I can say this like easily, the most influential artist next only to Hank Williams. In, in terms country of country, music. yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna in terms say of country music. One of the most, in, probably the most influential artist uh, of rock and roll and rock period is probably Elvis. Maybe may he he may be tied with the Beatles. Well, so because Elvis reinvented Elvis. Elvis reinvented rock and roll once, the Beatles reinvented it twice, and took it a so, far different direction. So just like to correct my set, Johnny Cash is the most influential artist of country music yeah, country from music. that time yeah, period. Yeah, that time period. Yeah, because um, technically you have older artists than that. But fun thing about about Elvis, he really, while being, I agree with you on the fact that he's the most popular and is like you know, very influential. He does owe a, a real lot of thanks to Carl Perkins because mm-hmm. Elvis's style, the way he sings, the way he moves is very Carl Perkins. Yep. And even a little Jerry, um, Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah. Um, and he really owes them. Like you, that's definitely where he got his style from. Yeah. Um, uh, cause like Carl Perkins originally did the blue suede shoes song. Yeah. Um, but Carl Perkins had that very Elvis feel, but Carl Perkins was a little more, a little more countryish with his sound than Elvis. Elvis definitely was more. El- um, Elvis just appeared to he, he appealed to a wider audience. But fun fact about Elvis and Johnny Cash, both of them did not want to sing what they originally started singing. They both wanted to um, sing gospel, mm-hmm. and technically, Johnny Cash first wrote gospel songs and took it to a recording artist. And they told him that that's not what people want to listen to. Do you have something better? And then he started singing. Um, I, I believe it was I, I Walk the Line. Um, he was like, I have this song or, or Folsom Prison Blues. It was one of those. And he started singing those. And that got him popular. They, and same with Elvis. They told them gospel doesn't sell. Yeah. Um, but that's what they wanted. To so sing. he made, he made and, jailhouse, jailhouse Rock, which blew up. I mean, you just, in my opinion, you can't find a more talented songwriter, storyteller. Willie Nelson. And singer. Uh, Cash is a better singer. A Willie more, Nelson, I'm going to say, a is, more, a better so- is a better songwriter. And just a more country feel than Johnny. Yeah. That is true with Willie. Willie branched Willie out into the other outlaw. genres, yeah. Yeah, and Willie has an outlaw feel to it. Johnny yeah. never really gives me that, although sometimes he does. Johnny is so good at telling stories. The only person, and she's a female, that competes with him on the songwriter, on, on uh, what's it called? Storytelling. Singer, sing, singer songwriter mm-hmm. that can compare with him that's a female in the country genre is Dolly Parton. Yeah. Those two are the, they're the icons because they wrote and recorded most of their songs. Um, and they're just fantastic. And their songs have been covered and used by a lot of people. And they're easily the most recognizable by their sound. Mm. Like Johnny Cash, his songs start out, they all have that same... And you can immediately recognize him. And his voice is so recognized. He's easily... I would say next to Hank Williams, because Hank Williams is so iconic, mm-hmm. even though I'm not the biggest fan. They're so recognizable. He's he's one like, of the only voice. people who can pull off the nasal sound and make it sound good. 
Uh, I whine when I do it. I specifically like, ah, there's I don't want to do it. Like, in my beer. I can't do his voice. I'm like, gotta be the gold. <laughs> oh, Lord, says my baby, said goodbye. And I, yeah. I specifically crack my voice when I do that. Yep. And it, it's me making fun of, of Hank Williams. Yeah. But like Johnny, he's most recognizable and easily, easily the one that people that don't really know country they, they know him Johnny they Cash. know johnny cash yeah yeah I mean, also as part of being a human being while johnny had rough patches or growing up he turned out pretty well hank williams kind of died a piece of shit yeah um, hank williams did make it a habit of shooting a jukebox if his music wasn't on it well he he like was a wife beater he was a drunk he was not a good person Johnny was too at all he wasn't a wife beater but he was a bit of a drunk and a drug addict <laughs> Oh, that's why I said like he had a yeah. very rough early period of time. Also, but if you look, up his act also, also if you life. realize the fact that uh, June Carter was his second wife. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why I'm saying like if you look at Johnny's early yeah, life, he left his first his wife career, for June Carter. <laughs> it it was rough. Like there's yeah. there is a picture, and it is. It's Johnny Cash methed out, you may, or you something methed out high, in a bush. But you'll never be Johnny Cash eating cake in a bush high. <laughs> in a bush high, and then there's a song that he sings called "One on the Right and One on the Left," and there's a live version of it, and he is—you can tell—that's at the time either he was going through withdrawals from mm-hmm. trying to get off drugs, and he looks so bad from it. Yep. But June Carter saved his life from that. Oh yeah, because he was so unhappy. But he dealt with a t- like like a lot of people from that time. His childhood was riddled with trauma and just a lot of bad things that happened to him. But he he turned his life around mm-hmm. and he was able to clean up his act and be one of the most yeah. well respected individuals in country music. He was a bit of an asshole on the uh, uh, show planning front. Like if, here's like there's a place nearby where i grew up called or it was called Countryland, and it was a place where they they would play they would have old country singers come and play back in the 70s and 80s like merle haggard played there uh hank was, hank williams i think i know there. the story you're about to say uh willie played there marty robbins played there pretty much every you name one you name anybody from that era who was a country star who played uh they played there and it's this tiny little like venue, like it's a little pavilion that could fit, that could seat like two hundred people, but thousands of people would come to see these people play because it was like it was cheap. It was like five bucks to get in. Mm-hmm. Johnny Cash was the only person who refused to play because he wouldn't show up for anything less than fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, he was. Yeah, you didn't have money. You weren't gonna get him to, <laughs> you, to come up. I mean, he, he knew what he was. Yeah, <laughs> but still, like if if you're not a prison, why is he gonna show up for free? Like, <laughs> you you got a point there. Yeah, I mean, he had it. What is it? The way he said, he was like, "I've had, I've been in prison or two, but I'll tell you what, I never had to drink this dirty water they give you here in Folsom." <laughs> and it's supposedly nasty. Yeah. Um. But he's a, God. He is, he's an awesome. And he he he's he's awesome. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So happy birthday to the late. Yep. Johnny Cash. Um. 
And you know what? If I could, if I do nothing in my life but influence maybe one, two, or three people that have never heard of the artists that I listen to that have long since passed, mm-hmm. and I can get them to go check their music out, I've I've done it. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I can die a happy man. If we're gonna talk about um, birthdays, um, recently I think it was last week, um, Cliff Burton, hands down the best bass player who has ever walked the earth. Uh, I believe he would be 57 years old now. Ooh, that's young. Yeah, except for the fact that he died when he was 24 in a brutal and tragic bus accident uh, in Sweden back in 1986, I believe. He was Metallica's first, no, second bass player, uh, but he was their first since they started recording and he was arguably uh their best he record he, he played on their first three albums kill em all ride the lightning and master of puppets and he was the only one to die in that bus crash it was a freak accident they're driving along a road and all of a sudden the bus is just flipped end over end uh the guys in the band described it like being a, like being a sock in a uh, in a dryer just flipping over mm. and over and over rolling down the highway uh, and the funny thing is, or the tragic thing is is Cliff would still be alive had he not won a card game that earlier that night like that, this wasn't a tour bus like you have now this wasn't a nice tour bus this was a school bus with blacked out windows and bunks like chained to the walls It's it looked it was more like a prison bus and there were only enough bunks for so many people to sleep. Um, so the band they chose they they chose who was going to sleep where by a draw of cards, and Cliff his first card he picks up is the Ace of Spades. The the card that beat everyone. So he points to their guitar player. He said, "I want your bunk," and he sleeps in that bunk. If he hadn't, he would have survived, because his bunk was that bunk was right next to a window. And he flew out the window as the the bus stopped moving. And mm. they can like, there's a story. The, the story is like, they everybody gets out. They're screaming, and they look. Where's Cliff? Where's Cliff? They look down. They can see his blanket poking out from underneath the bus. Um. And the terrible part is, at this point, people theorize that he probably wasn't dead yet. He probably like. By all accounts, he never woke up again. But at this point, he probably wasn't dead. Because they had to come, or they they came, they got a crane to lift the bus up and back on its side. But the chain that was holding the crane, that was holding the bus, slipped. And it just slammed back down on the ground, right back on top of Cliff. So, if he wasn't dead before, he was now. And, uh, mm. yeah. Tragic. Way to end on a depressing yeah, note, dude. but... I, I will say it had a happy ending. Uh, Metallica recruited Jason Newstead, my personal favorite, uh, and actually the guy who inspired my current haircut. Uh, <laughs> little tidbit for you there. Um, We're a podcast, so you don't even get to see no, it. No, but if if you're curious, I have Jason Newstead's 80s haircut. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's... I. I I don't know why I ended this on such a depressing note, but yeah, Cliff, Bur- I, I don't Cliff Burton would, would have turned 57 
recently. Well, with that, um, I believe that wraps up today's episode. Um, thank you all for listening. Um, as always, if you'd like to reach out to us uh, with comments or with feedback, um, you can reach us out on our Twitter at Two Guys With Mics, or reach us out on uh, with an email with at Two Guys With Mics at uh, gmail.com. And uh, we will see you again in uh, two weeks.